obvious that a lot of people in our world today struggle with feelings of worry and fear. You don't have to look very hard to find these statistics of just skyrocketing rates of anxiety and depression, especially in younger people. And so this is an issue that is very urgent and very prevalent in our society that oftentimes gets more ignored than it should or overlooked or downplayed. And it's important that we realize that this is an issue so that we can begin a discussion of, of what to do with those feelings that come our way. And Jesus, during his Sermon on the Mount, talks a little bit about worry. And I know that the passage can at first kind of come across of as, oh, just don't worry, just, just don't, <laughs> which is not very helpful. Um, but Jesus isn't just saying, don't worry. There's more to it than that. And he's explaining what worry does and what it doesn't do and really does give some solutions of how to deal with that. So I want to read through it today. It's Matthew chapter 6, and it starts at verse 25. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I really love Jesus' approach here, because on the one hand, he's not babying people who are worried. He's not saying, oh, it's okay, just let yourself be paralyzed by this fear. It's just kind of how things go. He's, he's not doing that. But at the same time, he's not being dismissive of it either. And, and you can hear that he genuinely cares about people and wants them to move out of this worry rather than dwelling in it, because he knows that there are better things for them than to just sit and worry. And he brings up some really great points in this sermon that he is giving here. So he asked the question, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And some translations right after that add the question, or a single cubit to your height. So can you by worrying make your life longer or change how tall you are? And what he's doing here is he's pointing out that there are some things in our life that we just cannot change. We really have no influence over it. 
And even though it's something important, right, how long your life is, well, that's something that's important. You don't want to die young. You want to have a long, healthy life. Or how tall you are, you know. There's a lot of <laughs> a lot of stock that is placed in how tall or short a person is or just other kinds of physical attributes. So these are things that are important to us, and yet they're things that no matter how much we worry about them, we can't really change those innate qualities of our life. And to sit and worry about those things that can't be changed will never produce any kind of positive results, no matter how much or how long we worry about those things. And so rather than worrying about them, and this is, you know, one of these teachings that is really simple, but so difficult to put into practice. It's so hard to accept a teaching like this, but it's important for us to hear the truth that worrying about things that cannot be changed is not productive. And instead of worrying about those things, we need to accept those things and move forward. We need to allow that worry to be replaced with acceptance and realizing I cannot change this. And rather than spending my time and energy worrying about it, I need to focus on other things instead because I can't change this. And I need to be truthful with myself in understanding that I can't change it. And, and rather than worrying about it, to accept it and move forward. And, and when we can have that acceptance, we can, when we can approach things in that way, then it allows us to move past those things that we can't change, but also it allows us to move into and, and focus our attention into things that can be changed, right? So not only do we accept what cannot be changed, but just the flip side of that coin, we also accept what can be changed, what is not outside our grasp, what is not outside our realm of being able to influence. And we have to first accept the things that we can't change so that we can move past that and into this area of things that we are capable of changing. Because once we accept what can be changed, then we know what we need to spend our time preparing for. So not worrying about things that cannot be changed and instead preparing for things that can be changed. So just like when you're in school, right, and you know that a test is coming, that's not going to change. Or that deadline that that paper is due, that's not going to change. Or at least in very rare occasions will it change. But eventually, even if it does change, eventually you'll still have to take that test or turn in that report. That's something that's not going to go away. And if you spend your whole time just worrying about that upcoming test and worrying about needing to get that report done, that's not helping you. That's not going to get the test out of the way. That's not going to get the report written. So instead of worrying about that deadline, instead, prepare for that test. Prepare for that report and the grade that is going to come afterwards that is yet to be determined. Yes, the test is going to come. The book report is going to be due. That's not going to change. Don't worry about that. Instead, 
Think about the grade and how it's not, it doesn't have to be a bad grade. It can be a good grade as long as you prepare for that test, as long as you give yourself the time you need to write out that report and don't just rush it the night before, but actually take the time to do the work well. And so in this way, you're not ignoring the issue, but rather than worrying about the issue, you are preparing for what you can prepare for in relation to that issue. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. Sure, you can't change how long or short your life is, but you do have control over the quality of life that you live. So rather than worrying about how long your life is going to be, instead focus on what is your life going to look like for as long as it lasts, right? That's the words of Gandalf. All we have to do is decide what to do with the time that is given to us. But we're not worrying about it. Instead, we are doing what we can now and recognizing the things that are out of our control and being able to accept that those things are out of control so that we can let them go, that we can give those things over to God, and instead to accept what can be changed and prepare for that. So recognizing what to let go and what to prepare for. So then Jesus moves from talking about the futility of worrying about things that can't be changed, and he moves into this positive direction that we need to be focused on. So he, he points out, you need these things? Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So Jesus here is instructing us to let God take care of our needs as we focus on him. So rather than us focusing on our needs and worrying about whether or not our needs are going to be met, that instead we focus on God's kingdom, his righteousness, living according to his will, and that as we move in that direction, that God, because he knows what we need, will take care of those needs for us. So then, rather than us worrying about our needs and our faith, Jesus is saying, all you have to do is worry about your faith. Let, let me take that burden of worrying about your needs. Let me take that off of your shoulders. And as long as you are concerned with your faith and your relationship with God, and you're focused on that, God will take care of your needs. He'll take care of that other part. So rather than worrying about both of these things, just trust God. And let that worry be replaced with a trust in God. Put first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you as well. You won't have to worry about them. Just put God first. And when he's talking about putting God first, he's not talking about it like the first item on a list that you're checking off, right? Well, I took care of my God things for today, so I can move on to everything else. That, that's not what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about putting God first. Instead, he's talking about 
keeping God at the center of all that you do. So rather than first as a list of items, you know, the initial thing, that it is the priority. It's what is given the highest priority above all other things. And it becomes that first fundamental piece of your life upon which everything else is built. So it's less of the first item on the list and more of the centerpiece that holds everything together. And we have to make sure that our life reflects that as well. Because we could start our mornings off with reading the Bible and praying, you know, talking with God. But if we put God to the side for the rest of our day and don't let our relationship with him impact any of the rest of our day, then the rest of our day will fall apart. And we'll wonder, why is, our, why is my day falling apart? I started my day with God. Okay, but we're not supposed to just start our day with God. We're supposed to live our life with God and to let our relationship with him influence everything that we do the whole day long, right? And if you just have it as first, as an initial then the rest of your day will fall apart because you need him there as that centerpiece. It's just like if you're having cereal in the morning. If you get a bowl out of the cupboard, make sure it's nice and clean, it's washed, and you set it on the table, there you go, you've got your bowl. But then if you take that bowl and set it over to the side before you pour the cereal and the milk, that's not going to work out very well. <laughs> That bowl is not going to be fulfilling that pur the purpose it's meant for because you've set it aside. And now you're going to be sitting at the table trying to scour together all of this milk and cereal that's just spreading out across the table, and it's going to make a giant mess, and you're going to be saying, well, why is there this big mess? I got the bowl first. Oh, sure, you got it first, but you're not using it. It needs to stay there throughout that whole process of eating cereal. Because it's that bowl that's going to keep that milk and cereal in the place where it needs to be. And that's how our relationship with God is meant to work. God says, put me first, and I'll take care of the rest. And we think, well, I, I got my bowl, but there's no cereal or milk in it, and I need to leave the bowl to go and get the cereal and the milk. And God is saying, I'll provide the rest. I'll provide the cereal. And when your bowl is empty, I'll fill it up again. But don't abandon that bowl. Don't abandon your relationship with me. And don't just make it a part of your life. Make it the centerpiece of your life. And if we do that... If we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, by keeping that at the center of our life, then he will make sure that our needs are met. That is what he has promised. But we need that part first for everything else to come in line. And Jesus, in this passage, he mentions Solomon, and Solomon is a great example of this as well. Solomon was given the opportunity from God to ask for anything that he wanted from God. And Solomon did not ask for riches. He did not ask for wealth. He did not ask for popularity or reputation or glory. What Solomon asked God for was wisdom. 
but it was through that wisdom that he received from God that he became established in a very powerful position with great wealth, great reputation, all of those things that came afterward, that came along because of the wisdom that he had received from God. If Solomon had asked for wealth, he would have had wealth but no wisdom. But because he asked for wisdom, he had wisdom and wealth. And that's what Jesus is trying to convey here. He's saying if you pursue worldly things, if you pursue temporary, physical things, then you'll be physically wealthy but spiritually poor. But if instead we invest in our spiritual life and our relationship with God, then God will take care of those physical needs. He'll take care of that other part. And instead of having one, we'll have both. But what we need to do is let ourselves be obedient to God and let God be faithful in meeting our needs. And again, that does alleviate a lot of the stress and worry in our life because then instead of worrying about our physical life and our spiritual life, we have one less thing to worry about. We have one less thing to be concerned about. And we can instead just focus on our spiritual life and God is faithful. He doesn't let us down. He will never lead us to a place that he cannot sustain us. And as long as we're obedient to him, we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he'll make sure that everything else falls in place. But we have to trust him to lead us in that way. And then Jesus ends this discussion with both a powerful and somewhat humorous statement that each day has enough trouble of its own. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And in this, he's highlighting the issues that come from being distracted with things that are far off, that may or may not ever arrive, when the whole while there are things all around us that we're ignoring and overlooking that need to be addressed. Each day has plenty of troubles of its own. Every day comes with its own challenges. And when you're worried about things that are still far off, things that are still coming down the pipeline, you're so distracted and consumed with those things that you're missing what you can do now. And there are things that you can do now to help yourself out so that when those things do come down the pipeline, if they do, that you're not having two issues to deal with. Now you only have one because you already took care of that other issue while you could, while it was there at your feet. But we need to stop allowing ourselves to get distracted by things that may or may not ever happen or things that are still a ways down the line all the while we're ignoring what we can do today. So again, rather than allowing ourselves to be overwhelmed with these feelings of worry, we want to take that worry and replace it with vigilance, of taking a look around us and being aware of where we are and what's happening right now so that we can put that time and energy into actually solving issues that we are in the midst of. 
rather than allowing those issues to continue to grow and become bigger issues, all the while tomorrow is just around the corner with more trouble of its own. And if, we, if our eyes are always beyond the horizon, then the issues we have will continue to build, and each day will bring new troubles, and we'll find ourselves slowly and slowly being overwhelmed and, and consumed by the troubles that are continuing to pile up on us. And Jesus is saying, don't, don't let yourself be caught in that loop, in that downward spiral that comes from worrying about things far away, about worrying about tomorrow. When tomorrow comes, you can deal with tomorrow then, but right now there are things happening that we need to deal with now, so let's deal with them now. Now, this might be making you feel even more anxious, right? Oh man, well, how am I supposed to deal with all of these issues I have right now and more issues coming down the line? Every single day is going to have more trouble. How do you expect me to deal with this? Well, here's the plus side for you. Here's the positive. Just as each day brings more troubles, so also... Each day brings new strengths and mercies and blessings and energy and ideas. And there might be ideas and energy that you have tomorrow that you won't have today. And that energy that you're going to get tomorrow will help you to deal with tomorrow's troubles. But use what you have today to deal with what you can today. And you can only do that when you're accepting what can't be changed and what can be changed and being vigilant and not just looking beyond the horizon, but being attentive and aware of what is around you right now that you can begin to take small steps into dealing with. But we have to stop looking at tomorrow and begin looking at what we can do today with what we have. We need to be vigilant. And every time I hear the word vigilance, I can't help but think of the story of Paul Revere. You see, Paul Revere was expecting the British army to come and attack the colonies. And he was just one man. He couldn't really do a whole lot. There wasn't a lot that Paul Revere could do to stand against an entire British invasion force. He was just one guy. But you know what he did have? He had a horse, and he had his voice. And so, on April 18th, 1775, when he received news that the British were on their way, he got on his horse, and he rode over to Concord, where the Minutemen were, in order to warn them about the British army on their way. And because of his efforts, the men in Concord were not ambushed and killed in the middle of the, of the night, and the colony's supplies that they needed were not captured and destroyed. You see, there really wasn't a whole lot that Paul Revere could do on his own. He couldn't stop this whole war from taking place. He couldn't single-handedly end this war before it began. But he used what he had to help the people that he could 
in the way that he was able. And the effort that he put in that night had tremendous impact on the future. He didn't just sit in his home and worry about the upcoming war and how it was going to turn out. Instead, he said, I'm here. I, can't, I don't know what I can do, but I'll do what I can to help however I can. And that's the attitude we need to have in our life. Accepting, I can't solve everything, but I do have something that I can put to work. I can do something in this situation. And I want to just do what I can with what I have, where I am today. And when tomorrow comes, I'll worry about that tomorrow. But what can I do today to make things better? And that's what we're called to do. We're not called to solve every issue in the world single-handedly and overnight, but we are called to be obedient and to do what we have with what God has given to us and to put ourselves to his work where we are. And those small steps that we take each day can have a tremendous impact over time, taking us much further than we ever thought we would be able to go. But before we can even begin that process, we have to take that worry, that fear, that anxiety, that depression, and let it be replaced with an acceptance of what cannot be changed, as well as what can be changed, a trust in God to lead us in that change, and a vigilance to not just be looking at tomorrow, but to look at today and what we can do now. So with these things in mind, I want to ask you, what are you worried about? What are the things that keep you tossing and turning at night, unable to sleep? What bounces around in your head throughout every hour of every day, just consuming your life with worry? What are those things? And I want you to ask God what he wants you to do with those things that you are worried about. Now, obviously, the first step in any of that is to trust him with it. Whether it's something you cannot change or something you can change, if it can't be changed, you need to trust God with it. And if it can be changed, you need to trust God to show you how to change that. So either way, the first step is trusting God with it. And then we need to recognize, is it something that cannot be changed and I need to just let it go? Or is it something that can be changed and I need to let God show me what to do with this? And then with those things that we can have an impact on, to not just be thinking of way down the road after that issue has fully developed into an even greater issue, but to say, what can I do now? God, what can I do today to help deal with this problem? To help me overcome this issue? I, you don't need to solve it all overnight, but what can you do now where you are with what God has given to you? And in that way, if, if we're faithful in that, if we're faithful in trusting God, to lead us through this process of acceptance and vigilance and action, then we will be able to look back one day and see that as we were seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, that he, knowing what we needed, made sure that all that we needed 
was given to us as well. And he has led us through so much more than we ever thought we could get through, and has led us to a place that we never thought we could be. And it's all because we trusted him, and did what we could now, and let go what we needed to let go of, and prepared for what we needed to prepare for. So I encourage you, don't let your life be overcome with worry, but replace your worry with God's plan for your life. And that's today's Sermon in the Pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions for me, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page, or you can email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And wherever you're listening to this, I encourage you to like it and share it, rate it, all of those things that help get the message out for others to hear. But until next time, thank you for taking the time to listen, and I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day. Thank you.